Good morning. I am Wendy Bizot, and I'm the co-lead pastor here at Mercy Vineyard Church. I'm glad to have you um, joining us this morning via internet. And um, before we get started, we're going to say our uh, mission statement. So you can say it with me if you know it. At Mercy Vineyard, we are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God even from our homes. <laughs> so this morning we're continuing a three-part series that Lee started last week called The Jesus I Never Knew. It's based on the book by Philip Yancey, if you want to check that out. And <clears throat> when we talk about Jesus, there's a lot we can learn about him, uh, but he can't be put in a box. There's no one who has ever lived that is quite like Jesus. And a lot of what we know about Jesus stems from our upbringing, whether we grew up in church or not. Um, but some things that stick out to me about Jesus that I didn't really discover until later on in life um, are, first of all, that he is humble, but he's not weak. So I always knew that he was a humble man, but... Um, Weak he is not. He is courageous. He said things that upset people. He um, challenged the religious and cultural systems of his day. So there was not any weakness in him. Um, and then Jesus had and showed emotion, even frustration. Um, I even laugh sometimes when I read the parts in the Gospels where he's talking to his disciples and he says, how many times do I have to tell you this? He shows emotion. He was an emotional person, just like us. So today, though, I want to talk about Jesus in light of the difference he made by coming to earth. Most of us know that he came to earth, he died on the cross, and he rose again. And God could have given us a set of ideas to think about and decide whether to accept or reject, but instead he gave us himself in the form of a person. And I think that we can sometimes take this truth for granted because we've always had access to God. We've always had um, that availability to go to God. And we've heard the story so many times that um, I think we forget what it costs Jesus to win for us this access. That um, we know God as a loving father only because of Jesus. And so this being Palm Sunday, the week before Resurrection Sunday or Easter, I think it's appropriate that we look at him through this lens. But before we do, I'd like to pray. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for sending your son. And Jesus, I thank you for who you are. And I ask that as we dig into your word and as we look more closely at you that you would reveal yourself to us give us revelation and transformation in jesus name amen so first we're going to come back to the truth that we learned last week and that is that um, jesus is the portrait of god he is our clearest picture of the father and jesus himself said to his disciples in john 14 6 through 9 I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. 
And Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus presents a God with skin on that we can take or leave, we can love or ignore. And Jesus can become our focal point and help us overcome the questions and the hesitations that we might have about God. So when we think about big issues like the problem of pain or all of our why questions, it can get really fuzzy. I know especially in the time that we're facing right now, it can get, um, it can be easy to be bogged down in the question of why. But when we look at Jesus and we see how he treated people who were in pain, how he called others to action, and how he demonstrated our freedom in him, it brings clarity. It brings peace. And we may not have the answers to all of our questions, but we can find purpose in doing as Jesus does, and we can see who the Father really is through him. And then when questions come up uh, like, why should I pray if God already knows everything? Well, (laughs) those questions can be quieted because Jesus prayed. So if Jesus prayed, so should we. And Jesus brought God near through uh, his coming. So we look at the Old Testament God, and he is supreme, and he is omnipotent, and, and of course he still is. But there were so many restrictions to approaching him. Um, There was an intricate code that the disciples had grown up with in order to approach um, the, the presence of God. And then came Jesus. So instead of painting God as distant and waiting on us to get things right and um, having to follow these intricate rules, he brought the message that God feeds the sparrows and that God numbers the hairs on our head, a God that draws near. And he brought intimacy with God as Father. Uh, the Jews didn't speak the name um, because it was it was a holy name, right? But Jesus used the word Abba to talk about God, which was a term of family affection. It was a very intimate term. And Mark says, the Gospel of Mark says that the temple curtain tore in two at his death. So the curtain that had closed off the place where God's presence dwelled was torn in two. And because of Jesus, we now have immediate access to the Father. So he is not only that portrait of God, but he is our access to God as Father and that intimacy that we can share with him. And this leads me to the next thing. Jesus is the lover. It's easy to picture a God who is static, who's waiting for us to come to him, right? who's stamping out all opposition against him. But Jesus reveals a God who comes in search of us, a God who makes room for our freedom even when it costs the Son's life, a God who is, because of that, vulnerable. Um, And above all else, Jesus reveals a God who is love. Love is the main reason that Jesus came to earth. 1 John 4, 9 says, God showed how much he loved us 
by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Jesus' stories about God's love almost express a desperation. Um, We look at the stories in Luke 15 about the woman who searches all night for a lost coin or the shepherd who hunts in the dark and finds the one sheep who has wandered away. And there's a desperation there in that search. And every time there's rejoicing over the one that is found. And in many of us know the story of the prodigal son. And even in that story, as the prodigal son is the one who comes back home, but the father goes out to meet him. And there's a sense of joy and there's a sense of um, pursuit that we see there. And there's rejoicing. So the Gospels are full of verses that talk about the extent that God went to in order to accomplish his rescue plan. And Jesus brought us that truth, and he embodies the promise of a God who will go to any length to win us back. And next, Jesus is the portrait of humanity. Not only is Jesus a window to God, Uh, He gives us a mirror of ourselves. He gives us a reflection of what God had in mind when he created us. We were created in the image of God, and Jesus reveals what that image should look like. And we tend to excuse our faults, don't we, by saying, that's just human. But Jesus was fully God and fully man, and he showed us who we were meant to be, and through him, who we have the power to be. And beyond that, Jesus experienced what it's like to be human. A lot of us may be familiar with the fact that Jesus has felt everything that we have felt. The Bible tells us that he's acquainted with our sorrows. He saw family discord, poverty, uh, social rejection, verbal abuse, and betrayal. He felt physical pain, endured physical abuse. And Jesus prayed as a vulnerable human being, understanding every weakness that we would ever face. And I think that in the time that we're facing right now, that is hugely comforting. That Jesus knows our sorrow. He knows our pain. He knows everything that we're going through. He's been there. He has felt those things. And so Jesus shows us not only that he understands who we are, but that who we could be through him. And finally, Jesus is the wounded healer. It may seem odd that we use a symbol of death and destruction to cross to represent our faith, but without it, we could not make sense of the deep truths that form our faith. The cross gives us hope when there is no hope, and I don't know anyone who's not looking for hope right now. Paul the Apostle asked God to take something distressing away from him, and God's answer to him is in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Paul says, each time he, God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And then Paul goes on to say, So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. 
That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And in that verse, that's not resignation that Paul is showing. He's speaking of transformation. And as I wrote that and prayed through that this week, I really felt like that was a word for us today. That this time that we are in right now, um, where many of us are just at home, or some of you are on the front lines, you are serving in ways um, that we can't imagine. But rather than being resigned to where we are right now, we could look at it as an opportunity for transformation. The very things the scripture says that make us feel inadequate, the very things that plunder hope, these are what God uses to accomplish his work. And the cross is a picture of this. And I don't believe that God inflicts these things on us, but I do believe that he uses everything for good. And he can use this for transformation. I mean, he took the worst deed of history, Christ's death on the cross, and he turned it into the greatest victory, which is why the symbol of the cross never went away. Jesus' death on the cross bridged the gap between a perfect God and flawed humanity. And Isaiah says that it's through the wounds of Jesus that we were healed. So if such triumph can come from what looks like defeat, what can Jesus do with the failures and the hardships of my own life and of your life? Jesus' most painful moment becomes our healing strength. And what can he do with the trial that we're all facing right now? Between the cross and the empty tomb is the promise of history hope for the world, and hope for each one of us that live in it. You know, the disciples lived through Friday after Jesus died and Saturday not knowing the end of the story like we did. Sure, Jesus had told them, but you can tell by the way that they fell or by the way that they acted uh, that they didn't quite believe it. And can you imagine how alone and how lost and how broken they must have felt with Jesus dead and them very afraid? But then came Sunday and the resurrection, and they learned that when God seems most absent, he may be closest of all. They learned that when he looks most powerless, he may be most powerful. And they learned to never count God out. And we now live between the time of promise and fulfillment. And it can be hard to see how God can make something good out of our world and out of what's happening in it as we speak. But we learn through Jesus that he is always at work, that we cannot count him out. And what we think about God is the most important thing about us. And Jesus shows us who the Father is. Jesus is the hope of the world, and he shows us that God is pursuing us. He's pursuing you. If you don't know him, I would encourage you to meet him today. And if you want to experience that kind of love and hope, please pray with me now. Jesus, I need you. 
Thank you for the price that you paid on the cross for me. Forgive me, please, God, and be my Savior, my Lord, and my friend. I want to live for you. And Lord, I ask that you would fill each person with your peace and give them the experience of your love today. Thank you for showing us who the Father is and for your healing touch. And I would encourage you, if you already know Jesus, um, as I was saying that, that, that he's pursuing you, I felt like that was a word for some of you, that during this time when you maybe don't have as much to do, maybe you're not working, and maybe even you are, but you feel helpless about what's going on around you. I feel like um, he may be saying that he's pursuing you. He's pursuing greater intimacy with you. And all it takes is for you to answer that call, for you to take the time to make room for him, to spend a little time listening for his voice, that we don't want to waste, we don't want to look back at this time and think, I wasted time, that I could have drawn closer to Jesus. So I would encourage you, just if, I believe that could be for all of us, but if that really speaks to you, to make room for Jesus today. And if you prayed to um, walk with Jesus for the first time today, maybe you've made that decision for the first time, we would love to pray with you, and we would love to um, give you resources. So email us. Find Mercy or Wendy at findmercy.org or Lee at findmercy.org, and we would love to help you. Have an amazing day. We love you, and we will see you all next week.